Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Lunch Agenda on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan neighborhood of Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Nani Dutton, filling in for Kiko Bourne. I'm Deputy Director of Fresh Farm, a local D.C. nonprofit that operates producer-only farmers markets and food prints, a school nutrition education program in partnership with D.C. public schools. My co-host is Nick Stavely. Nick works at Community Food Works, also a D.C. nonprofit that runs farmers markets and their innovative pop-up food hub. A lot of farmers markets represented mm-hmm. in this room. Hello. Uh, Lunch Agenda is a podcast that schools you on parts of the food system that are less often explored. You can check out past interviews with DC-based leaders Ona Balkis and Michael Twitty, and national food ad- advocates like Mark Bittman, Leah Penniman, and Ju- Julia Tertian. Today we ha- continue with our series DC Area Food Fighters, diving in with local business owners that have prevailed amid the rapidly changing neighborhoods and demographics of the DMV region. While we hope to mainly focus on gentrification of D.C.'s historically diverse neighborhoods, we wanted to sit down today with someone who we consider one of D.C.'s strongest food fighters. So we have with us Annette Ryan, owner of O-Earth Creamery and Bakehouse, based here in Washington, D.C. You can find her gluten-free baked goods at local farmer's markets and wholesale outlets. Full disclosure, Annette sells at farmer's markets operated by both Fresh Farm and Community Food Works, so she sits down with us with many years of familiarity. Annette, you are one of the hardest workers that I know. A business owner, a woman of color, I feel that you sacrifice your time, energy, and health to deliver the best gluten-free baked goods and customer experience that you possibly can, even when those decisions may make it harder to grow your business or afford you a day off. So we wanted to talk to you about that business, how you, know, how you got started, how you keep it going, and you know, have your story be told to everyone. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Mm-hmm. Welcome. So I guess we should start with you know, how did you get started in, you know, baking gluten-free baked goods? And, you know, what made you want to start O'Earth Creamery and Bakehouse? Um, The the story is um, actually a long and somewhat uh, uh, involved one. I I, uh, had been working uh, in a women's prison, actually, um, in Denver is where the story starts. And uh, at that time, my goal, as I uh, grew in that um, in my profession, I was a, a, a therapist and all but dissertation uh, clinical psychologist was actually my training, and I um, was looking at the very broken uh, correctional system and the reasons why the rate of recidivism was so very high. And um, one of many of the issues that I would see in um, my patients uh, that would continually come back to the special needs unit where I worked was uh, the broken links in the system, in the community, that would make it difficult for these women when they would come out. And um, one of the weak links was... um, nutrition and food and good food. And um, I, I, I would see that too within the prison system. I would see um, ways in which good nutrition could really make a difference um, in 
the emotional functioning of people, in their ability to regulate emotions, to think. Um, and this was something that um, was, was with me. And I, um, I uh, had the idea of starting up a, um, a pay-what-you-can cafe. And um, at the time that I was exploring this, um, D.C. had pretty significant food insecurity numbers, and I was thinking, you know, I'm seeing that the thing that is real that really makes a difference um, when I'm working clinically with people is this meaningful therapeutic relationship that gets beyond questions like, are you hearing voices? Are you taking your meds? Um, and I realized, you know what, I can, I can, I can do this anywhere, and why not do it? Um, why not do it with food and build a place where community can come together um, and share capital, um, using food as the the common connector um, because we all eat and um, and solve a problem um, when it comes to barriers to access to good food. So I wanted to, to build this uh, pay-what-you-can cafe that accepted all kinds of currency, time, talent, um, or money, and um, connect with farmers as a way of getting food that was perhaps, or that was perhaps you know, less beautiful, um, uh, bring in... Um, get people to donate time um, and, and talent and just make this a reality and um, invite in people who um, into this, by the way, it was to be a, a, third, um, a third space kind of environment where um, people would want to come and want to spend time. So uh, not necessarily a non-profit or not necessarily a, like, a, like a, a, a food um, uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, not like a soup kitchen kind of environment, but but one where where people would want to want to be and would want to spend time. And um, within this environment, you know, um, people would be encouraged to share social capital that they had with people who don't necessarily have access to such. Um, and I just thought DC would be a terrific place to do um, that sort of thing. Um, and I went in. I learned that there was such a thing as uh, pay-what-you-can cafes, and I went and explored them and um, ended up uh, relocating to D.C. with the idea, with the plan to do one here. Um, and I struggled. And in the, in, the, in the midst of that struggling to kind of get on top of D.C. as a city, which is a very complicated city. I was coming in, I did my undergraduate degree here, but I didn't know the city. And, and to do this sort of project, I think... I, I needed to know it better than I did. And so it was in my time of, of, uh, of trying to put this uh, Everybody Eats project together that I uh, learned that I could no longer um, eat and enjoy gluten the way I used to. Gluten was really important to my life because I was a vegetarian um, from birth. I've actually never had meat or fish. And... Um, so I uh, grew up eating what is now known as seitan, but we used to, we would make it and, and just call it gluten, and um, I loved it, and I was very adept at 
at, at making it. And the other sort of important um, experience that I had as a young kid was I had this, uh, I must have been maybe eight or nine, and I was with my mother uh, one day in Brooklyn. I remember it was in October. I seem to think it was October. It was a crisp fall day. I remember the color of the leaves, red and gold. And we, I had this slice of pizza in Brooklyn, and it was amazing. And I spent um, many years um, in pursuit of that flavor, of, of that slice of pizza. And so I spent a lot of time making, making pizza dough. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I achieved, I achieved uh, a flavor close to that, uh, I think, once. And, um, but it was such a fun journey, you know, chasing that. And the, the thought that I was going to have to uh, leave this behind because my body had decided that um, it couldn't handle wheat any longer um, was, it was, I mean, I, it was grieving, um, to be honest. Um, uh, but it was the beginning for me because I decided that um, well, food is so important to me and creating good food is so important to me. Um, if, if I am going to have to leave behind my beloved wheat, then I want to really master the flowers that I'm left with and, and understand that it felt like a, like a death to me. And I, 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 I wasn't sure what was possible, but I was determined to figure out what was possible and, um, to make these flowers um, my friends the way wheat had been my friend, um, to learn what they could do, and um, to get to the point where, where I could um, get them to dance um, with me the way I felt like I could um, do with, uh, with uh, my wheat baking. Um, and so that was, that was really the, uh, the, the, the beginning. I, I, I you know, I, I went from um, a professional career to um, to learning how to be a baker. And when I arrived in D.C., there weren't, you know, I had to support myself in some way. And there were, I had sent out resumes, but, you know, and I would tell people, I've been cooking all my life and, you know, watched Martha Stewart and I learned at her hand, you know, I, I you know, I read but she had to, I read her books I, I you know I she's really my teacher and um, I, I really do know what I'm doing and I it's not surprising that I had no pedigree I had no training and um, I, I, I didn't get a chance um, to to uh, develop any skill in that way but there was a place uh, in Tacoma Park um, Capital City Cheesecake um, they were getting ready to open and I went there I and I, yeah. huh? I I've been there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I went there and I, um, I baked. Uh, I told them about my bagels, um, and uh, they. Uh, I, I remember I, I was, I was very low on funds, and I remember taking, um, uh, going and buying things to make, uh, a t- to do a tasting with them, and uh, I went and I. I cooked for them, um, and they hired me on the spot. And um, that was uh, that was uh, that was the beginning. Um, and I I baked uh, bagels for them. Um, 
wasn't a long, long time. Uh, I think it was about six months, but it was enough to get um, a beginning and to get my confidence. And I remember there was a local food blog that had given a review, and you know, I was just the person in the kitchen. They didn't even know my name or who was baking the bagels, but they said that my bagels were close to the New York archetype, which I just loved. <laughs> um, having, uh, so, um, so that was. Uh, that was um, that was my start uh, in food here in D.C. and really that was uh, my only uh, kitchen experience before I um, joined up at Mess Hall, which is a culinary incubator here in D.C. and uh, decided to begin my food business. Um, and the name of my business um, came. Um, I have since uh, college, loved the poet Rilke. And uh, everybody's... Many people said, you'll outgrow Rilke. There are so many um, better than Rilke. Or, not better, but, you know, your, your tastes are going to mature. But I, I've carried Rilke with me the entire... Um, through, throughout my, my, my experience. And uh, his ninth elegies are so meaningful to me. And I... Um, within them, in the Stephen Mitchell translation, there's um, a line um, that sort of inspired me um, toward the name. The line goes something like, um, O Earth, my dearest, I will. And it's, uh, it's um, this, uh, um, this, this, this pledge, this, this, this commitment, uh, um, and this, this sort of overwrought um, uh, uh, expression of, of love for 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 our earth, and um, I, I was just very moved by that. And poetry has always played a huge part in my in my life. And uh, so this this uh, O Earth um, Creamery and Bakehouse to me is a bit of poetry, and it's a longer name, um, and it's been hard in terms of. Um, you know, sometimes people see it written and they'll wonder if that says zero earth or, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's sort of hard to, to sometimes communicate because it's, it, it, it's not O-H-O earth. It's just the letter O oh, right. earth. And, uh, so, but to me, you know, it's a name that causes you to slow down and listen and pause. And it, it, it might be the, and, you know, sort of opposite of the way they tell you to name businesses, but... For me, um, and what I envisioned my business to be, it, it, it's, it's the perfect name. So tell me, you're, you're living in Denver. Yes. And you decided to move to D.C. Did yes. you know anyone here? How did you... Outside of undergrad? Right. Um, I, uh, I did. I, my sister um, and her family um, are here. Right. And so you came in, did you like, move to a neighborhood, you got an apartment, and you decided, I'm going to start this you know, company, you pay what you want, food business, but you sort of wanted to get experience first, and then you were working at um, Cheesecake in uh, Tacoma Park. So that's, that's interesting. Was it difficult at first? Like, how long do you think it took you once you moved here to get that job? Um, I got the job before I moved out, actually. Um, yep. So Yeah, so I came determined um, to find something, and I, I, I did, and, and then I, you know... Uh, in a week, packed up my my 15 years of living in my beautiful Denver and and came to DC. 
And what year did you move to DC? I moved in 2010, in May of 2010. Are you originally from Denver? I am originally from New York, um, upstate New York. Um, was where I was uh, was raised. I was raised on a um, on a uh, on a little family farm. It, we had um, chickens and sheep and um, seven mountainous acres. And uh, my dad worked in the city uh, during the week, and my mom was upstate with um, um, my sister and my two sisters and my brother and I and. We had this huge garden, and um, uh, we worked a lot, and uh, it was actually very special, I realize now. Yeah. Was that a commitment to vegetarianism shared amongst your whole family? Yes. Yeah. We were, yeah. And I, I'm, very, I'm very grateful um, to, to that. Um, I, but it, it's been very easy for me to be a to be a vegetarian. I have the greatest respect for people who come to it after having had meat. Um, for me, it's been easy because it's the only thing I've ever known. Mm-hmm. And so, how did you get started at Mess Hall? Did you have someone helping you with that? You know, do you think, did you meet Al, I guess, the owner of Mess Hall first? You know, how did you discover? Uh, I was, I was trying to, to get my footing beneath me and a friend of mine, uh, Wendy Stewart, um, mm-hmm. uh, who I think is well known in the food community Indeed. here in DC. Yeah. Um, she uh, told me about Al and introduced us, and um, that was that was really the beginning. Right. Um, and so I'm sure you know at the beginning it was hard. You know, you had the one experience, you know, working in a you know kitchen, and so like what were the biggest challenges you think at the beginning to sort of take the business from mess hall to you know who were your where were your first sales um well i was as i see it now i realize i was very very fortunate um within weeks of my uh starting at mess hall um al told me that uh um, fresh farm was looking for a gluten-free baker Mm -hmm. and um, I was newly gluten free, and I was a baker. Right, <laughs> and I Checking did all the boxes. Yes, I did a tasting with uh, with Fresh Farm, and uh, I was able to end up at two of their markets, um, and that was very fortunate because that created a weekly income stream um, for me to uh, to. Uh, to start the business and to keep it going, but I, you know, I did, I did not have uh, capital. I, the market, uh, the the tasting was uh, early February, mm-hmm. and yep. um, and uh, and then and then the markets were coming, and I had nothing. And a week before the market started, uh, April first, we did a Kiva Zip loan, and I was. I raised uh, with the, I raised uh, five thousand um, dollars within two and a half days, um, and uh, you know there there I was at, at market, and right. it 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 was a beautiful thing to have, you know, my family and friends, and then this wider community people I didn't even know, um, pitching in and, and helping me get my start. 
When you started in Mess Hall, were you the only one in the kitchen producing? No, but Mess Hall had just opened um, that, uh, the, 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 like that previous October, November, and I uh, signed up uh, late December, January, and so I was among the first, yeah. and yeah, um, yeah, I was among the first to get started there. Cool. And then you were, you were baking everything under the O-Earth name in the yes. beginning, though. Yeah. 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 Right. And so I remember you started mess you came to the farmers markets, you know, you came sampled, had an incredible product, you know, and we said well, you are looking for a great, you know, gluten free baker at the farmers markets and we'd like you to come join us and come in two months essentially. Get ready, you know, bring the tent and table and you know, start growing your customer base. But you started a mess I guess, with one table. There wasn't even a gluten free room at that time, so you really had to grow it and talk talk to us about the production at the beginning yeah so um you know it, it was so there's my first thing was to educate myself um because uh i was someone who was um sensitive to wheat but there are people um with celiac disease who uh even a few crumbs of exposure um, can uh, harm them. And I am a person of great conscience. And um, here I am in this, this, this incubator. There is no gluten-free space. Um, I have, you know, this, this sense of responsibility to these customers that I don't know yet, um, but that I will know. Um, and I know that trust is central to what I'm doing. Um, and I, um, so at the time that I began uh, the business, I, I also began a cleaning business because um, that's what I had to do in order to feel comfortable um, selling my product. So um, Mess Hall is uh, an incubator uh, where, you know, businesses are operating um, constantly and I found that um, the nighttime hours were the least busy um, and really allowed me to do the cleaning that I would need to do in order to make the space safe. And um, I used the event space room um, where um, I felt I could uh, do the mixing that I needed to do without um, cross-contamination. Um, concerns and um, so and and it was also cheaper um, to do these to use the kitchen at the night and during the night so um, that that's that's the that's the way I I I began Um, and it was it was a really grueling process because even if I were even if I was away for a few hours I would still need to deep clean the tables uh, when I came back or, you know, wash the floors, um, uh, just do a lot of cleaning. And I don't regret it. And I, and never were shortcuts taken. And I think that really allowed me, uh, to look my customers in the eye and say, let me tell you about the space where we produce. Um, and then the customers were able to make a decision for themselves as to whether or not they could, um, eat my product um, safely, um, but 
um, that was uh, that was a that was uh, that was I think a really important time for the business um, because um, I learned I learned what was important to me when it came to my customers and caring for them and caring for their health and I tried to this day even though now we have a different setup to uh, to um, instill that in uh, the folks that work with me. And so I've noticed you were very committed to your customers, even going above and beyond to make sure that they get what they wanted or that they ordered. You know, what was the initial customer reaction when you first came to market? They, you know, I have customers who were there that first that first Sunday who are still our customers. Um, and I didn't know what to expect. And to be frank, I've grown so much in my baking. Um, I, I, I have this little bit of self-consciousness about the products that were, that were there that first day, particularly the <laughs> bread. Ah, I cringe a little bit when I think about it. But, um, but that's the thing about our customers, right? They, they grew up with, um, with us. They grew up with me. Um, I, I can now say that I, I feel like I, I knew very, very little about gluten-free baking that first Sunday. Um, but uh, they've stuck with me and um, granted me a sort of grace to, to, to learn and develop and to get better. Um, and, um, and they trust us. And I value that uh, above anything, everything. Um, and our customers allow us to do what, what we do. Um, and um, we bake with love, and that love is for our customers. Yeah, I, f- I feel like many people, and especially many that shop in markets, like people can just kind of intuitively are drawn to like that integrity, and they see that you know in the product and the owner of that product coming through and the care that's taken and like the investments made, like... You know, my, my mom would tell me stories before I was born of her working nights, and it just sounds like something that just upends your life and makes you very tired and, and hard to do other kind of normal people things. And, like, taking, you know, you're, like, the first gluten-free operator coming into the space and, like, taking upon a lot of that responsibility for your own product is, like, amazing, you know, to hear about. And it's definitely something that sets, you know, apart you apart from many of the people you see out at market or out, you know, distributing and that sort of thing. So... Okay. It's yeah, and also just like inspiring to hear, even just in the way that you talk about like your work and approach and your your motivations for it. It definitely it sounds almost I don't know it's a little hokey, but it sounds like you're approaching it like as your art. But it's like you, I feel like you are displaying the characteristics of like a caretaker and an artist when you're talking about your work. Well, so Gary Madison, who I know from the Farm Credit Council, he describes shopping in a farmer's market as not just buying, you know, a good quality product, but you're also buying into this virtue, this virtue of this, you know, business owner, this farmer, whomever, who brought this product, grew it themselves, baked it themselves, brought it to market, you know, instilled it with their love and, you know, is excited to share it with that customer base. So, mm-hmm. you know, I definitely buy that virtue when I go to the farmer's market every week. Agreed. But I'm curious to know, you know, a lot of customers don't 
understand, I guess, the baking process. Do you want to walk us through what your typical week looks like? You know, I think some people think, oh, you know, they started baking an hour ago, and then they got like in a truck, and then ago. we're here, yeah. and then this product is on the shelves, and then they'll go back, and they'll be done in 30 minutes, you know, and come back next week. So, Yeah, it's, um, it's an involved process, and uh, part of what makes it involved is because we're, I, I approach it, um, very much uh, each week is uh, a, a, an experimental trial. We're looking um, to take what we can from that week uh, to incorporate into the next week. So, um, And that's particularly true with our sourdough bread um, where we're always looking to improve. We're learning as we go. Uh, at the time that I started, I don't know if it's still true, but um, there were no like definitive bibles or books that helped you to know how to gluten-free bake um, and a lot of the conventional wisdom about for example bread baking um, was very wrong um, and it still is um, when I see what they suggest they, that one does so um, our process is very involved and we start um, we start at the previous week's markets uh, where we um, purchase certain things that are going to get incorporated into the next week's products. Um, And right now, for example, that's peaches. So um, we, uh, our first task of the week is um, uh, processing those uh, things, those uh, fruits or veggies to, that will be, get incorporated into the next week's work. Um, We're beginning uh, five days before the market uh, to mix, uh, for example, the sourdough bread, um, which has a starter, a wild yeast starter that we began in, um, in gluten-free flours. Um, starter's name is Agamemnon, by the way. Hmm. He's not the first starter. The first starter was Nebuchadnezzar, but he met an unfortunate um, demise <laughs> during the first hot summer that we had. But um, uh, So we are uh, we'll uh, mix the bread and get that going um, uh, and we are um, starting our um, scones are a big seller for us so we're, we're starting our scone prep um, three or four days in advance um, we use um, f- for just one flavor for example the blueberry lemon which is one of our favorites um, we uh, use organic uh, lemons for those and we zest them. We zest uh, over a hundred lemons uh, for, uh, for, for one uh, day actually mm-hmm. of, of scones. So um, uh, there's the, um, the uh, energy bars which are fan favorites with certain of our folks who are looking for things that are less um, that are uh, lower glycemic um, with uh, no refined uh, sugars. Um, those, as with many things that are gluten-free, um, have a number of uh, flours. Uh, so putting together a recipe is a little more complicated than it is um, with a wheat bread that is going to have you know, wheat, flour, yeast, salt, um, water, water. Um, 
We are going to start, uh, for example, our energy bars. Um, we'll use a brown and ivory teff, um, a sorghum, uh, um, a, a, a certified gluten-free oat. I say that because um, even though oats don't naturally have um, gluten in them, the way they're stored can affect their gluten-free status. So, right. um, so these are special oats. Um, uh, uh, and... So we'll have multiple flowers that we bring together to uh, make into one flower, um, and each of each each component of each of those flowers in a particular recipe does a particular thing. Um, that's really important um, to the end product that we're that we're making. So um, we have a long list of ingredients, and it's not because things are are, are processed or less clean. It's just because in order to replicate uh, what wheat can do, um, we need to use many different flowers that help us uh, do that replication. Um, so even uh, uh, so, uh, so we begin early, and it basically takes us uh, uh, the six days preceding a market um, to be able to bring those goods um, to you. So I guess my follow-up question is, when do you sleep? Um, well, uh, my mother used to say, um, sleep fast, and I guess that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I do. Um, but we, we, have, we have, from the beginning, um, it's been mostly me. Now I do have um, um, employees that work with me, but... Um, we are understaffed and chronically so. Um, so, I I don't I don't get a, a lot of rest, um, but I, I I am getting more rest than I once did. I can say that. Right, because how many times would you say you think you've slept at mess hall? You know. Well, I, I don't I don't know how I would feel about that, but I I I do do that um, several times um, a week. I I just grab naps. Um, and it used to be that there, there wasn't any place to do that, so I'd lay on this hard bench out near, in the front of the event space, but um, uh, now there are, there's another option, so I take advantage of that gratefully. Okay. And sometimes you have to. I've been there yeah. myself in yeah. my younger days, especially working at Outwaters. Sometimes the days would be too exhausting, and my next shift would be just too soon. Too soon. It wouldn't make sense to go back to you go back to home and try to find yeah. some rest. But other than sleep, do you think there's other things that you sacrifice in order to keep Oworth Creamery and Bakehouse going? You know what? I I think about that all the time. Like I I I think I like I I used to um, I used to yes yes um, I I used to. Uh, I used to be really funny and fun, but I like I'm 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 there's always something to stress over now and I you know I'm learning that the universe is 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 there and exists and can be trusted, but I you know, I I I do I it's hard to laugh when you're when you're when you're worried and you're concerned about how you're going to, you know, make payroll or how you're gonna you know cover these ingredients or, you know, um, without sacrificing, without sacrificing quality. And, and I, I laugh less and I, 
Um, and I, I, I live with a sort of austerity that I think has made me more serious and severe um, than, I, than, I, than I remember myself being. And um, that's really, that's hard for me. And I, and I also, um, you know, people and connecting with people, um, it's, it's really important to me because I, I growing up as I did, um, never felt as though I belonged. And I, I really, with O-Earth, first with the Pay What You Can Cafe and then with O-Earth, the, the things that were driving me was creating a space where everyone felt a sense of belonging. Um, and I, uh, I'm, I'm thin in places um, because I'm just so tired, you know? And, and, you know, it's really important for me to invite people in and inv- invite them in and welcome them just as they are. And, that, and I notice myself struggling with that a little bit. Um, and it's because I'm human and it's because, you know, um, you know that, that that soft place to fall that I used to have so readily available and that I could create for myself is just, it's just a little <laughs> threadbare right now. I know it can be difficult, but do you want to talk to us about the austerity of the work? And some things maybe customers just don't realize that there is a lot of sacrifice that goes into keeping this business going and growing it and wearing all those hats and having to be that business owner and you know, all the sacrifices that are made in order to get to, you know, wherever you're going, you know, and what that looks like. Yeah, um, I don't, you know, it's tough for me because I don't, I'm not whining. I'm doing what I love and that is a a beautiful thing. But I'm doing what I love in a way that I think if I had gone to business school, they'd tell you um, is ill-advised. I've done this entire venture undercapitalized and um and 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 then I've had things happen like I I was in a a car accident that ended up totaling my car um the the second year that I was in business and um and because I lacked capital I I made certain decisions that had to be made in order to keep the business going but that totally destabilized um, my business. Um, I don't know that I could have done things differently, um, but I knew that I had to have a vehicle, and, 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 and so I, I made a decision to, to rent a vehicle to be able to, you know, keep the business going, and that ended up uh, being a decision that I don't know was the right decision. Um, but and it was a costly decision, and um, it 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 ended up creating um, situation that to this day I, I I regret deeply. But um, you know you do what you can do in in these situations, and for me I've always understand that 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 success comes with perseverance and there are going to be problems and there are going to be obstacles um, but I, I I am one who uh, I think because of something about growing up on that that 
that farm the way we did, that I, I, I am someone who can sit with discomfort and I am someone who can, who is w- willing to weather things that I think most people aren't willing to weather. And I'm also someone who, um, I have a lot of integrity and I, I, I have, I've created, um, I've created, a, I'm, I'm, I've sort of been outside of the, the financial lending system. And so I've, I guess I've, I've ended up um, with, with some debt. Um, and it is so important to me that the people that um, I am indebted to understand that I, this business, I, I will not quit this business because um, I, I do have this debt and I intend to pay every dime of this debt and this business is my vehicle for doing such and, um, and that's a lot of what, it's not all that drives me but it's part of what drives me um, because I want to be able to look at certain people who have given me a hand up um, by uh, allowing me this debt. Um, I want to be able to look at them and on that day when I, when I, when I, when I pay them back, I want to be able to look at them and, and, and have them know that, yeah, I took a risk here, I took a chance here with her and, and and sometimes I might have doubted that I would see this again, but uh, but but here we are, and um, this she was a good risk. Right. So. It's interesting. I in all of my jobs and career, I've made a lot of mistakes, and thankfully thus far, none of them fatal from a business perspective. And you know, I keep trying to carry on and continue. And I like, I think every good business owner needs to persevere through those mistakes and adapt to them and continue on and I've seen that and I've seen you go through those tough times I remember that car accident and how difficult you know the next two years you know really were to sort of you know um, make it through that and continue and provide the same product to your business you know it's really tough I think you know, a lot of customers come to the farmer's market or come to any business and they have no idea what goes on behind the curtain. And, you know, the scones stay the same, you know, and the people stay the same, you know, or sometimes, you know, workers come and go, but, you know, you're still there and providing this for them and they see it. Um, And they have no idea what the story is behind it, like where you started and how you've gotten here now. Um, I'm curious to know, do you think there will still be a pay-what-you-can cafe? Is that something... You know, know, it's so hugely important to me. Um, uh, Part of that story is that um, I we had I had trouble getting our um, nonprofit status. Um, The IRS was concerned about um, how a third place environment might compete with other uh, for profit businesses. Um, Like, how would we know our charitable class? Um, and so uh, that was what really stalled that project. I, I didn't. I, I had to find a way to earn money to take care of myself. I, I had to 
um, move on and um, figure out a way, um, uh, could, uh, like, uh, to uh, create my next steps. But um, that has o- always been a part of uh, what I've been doing with with O Earth, and you know, we uh, we find ways uh, to to do that, even even though we don't promote it, um, and. Um, as we grow, um, we will have more opportunity to do that. Um, I, the the pay what you can concept is one that um, um, I'm I'm very committed to, and I will find a way to make it work um, in some way. I already have a farmer who's interested in working with me, um, Emma, of uh, Moon Valley Farm, um, and so we are. Um, but we'll, we'll figure out a way to do that. It's, it's, a, it's a dream that will, that, will, that will come to fruition. If not for baking, if not for O-Earth, or for the Pay What You Can Cafe, what do you think you would be doing if you didn't go down this path? See, that's the thing. I know that I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing. I loved doing therapy. I was a really good therapist. Um, but I... This is this is this is it. I mean, is that is that is that an okay? That's answer? a great answer. Yeah, like, like the I know. surety is, is very yeah. clear, and, and yeah, how you how you speak. About yeah, it. I I this is it. This is this is why I'm here. This is I'm here for this one brief, right. this one brief moment. But I'm I'm this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. It's not a hypothetical. It's a definitive. This is where yeah. you know. Yeah. Do you have any advice for say a, a business owner that wants to get started? Like, if you were to talk to them and tell them something like what you learned you know just starting out is there anything you would tell them i i think i want to talk to the folks that um who like me you know don't have that capital behind them who don't have you know um some inheritance that's going to come along and and um and lend a hand um i would encourage them um, to um, to persevere and to just keep going. Um, make a good plan. Um, try and access that capital, um, but don't don't give up on their vision, um, on the thing that moves them, on the thing that creates meaning uh, for them in life. Um, and to not be afraid and to surround themselves with people as I have that are good people, that can see them clearly, that believe in them, and that will offer support in the ways that they can. Um, Those things to me are equal um, to capital. And uh, if I think with those things behind you, um, there will be tough moments, moments uh, when you doubt yourself. Um, but I think with that, um, they can you can do what it is. Um, you know you're meant to do. 
Um, and I know that I know that from experience. Um, and um, and certainly reach out to me because I've been there and I'm I'm going to make it. And um, and and then I'm going to turn and extend my hand and and help those who. who are behind me. Well, we really appreciated having you on and talking to us about how you got started and about your business. And, you know, you want to tell people where they can find your products? Yeah. Um, so we are at uh, the DuPont Circle Farmer's Market. That's Fresh Farm's Market. <laughs> um we are at uh, the Fresh Farm uh, White House Market. We are at uh, the Fresh Farm DuPont Circle Farmers Market. We are at the Palisades Farmers Market. And um, starting any day now, we'll be at Union Market. At that's exciting. Amazing. And didn't mean to do the shameless plug here for Fresh Farm. You know, I just, I am really, your product is amazing. And yeah, you, I think you should seek out these products. If you're gluten-free or otherwise, it, it's just incredible. Yeah, you, you don't have to be gluten-free. You don't, and you don't, yeah. No, they're just incredible. I've yeah. bought them from DuPont for a while, but. And can, can do I have two seconds to say that we are looking for good bakers who are passionate, um, uh, we need to add to our team, and um, if uh, if that's you, we, we want to hear from you. How do they reach you? Uh, they can reach us on Instagram at oearthbakesglutenfree, uh, or they can uh, email us at uh, oearthbakes at gmail.com, um, and... Uh, uh, yeah, or please. find you at the farmer's market. Or far, find yeah. us at the Come farmer's market. Hi. Come say hi, please. Great. Well, all right. Well, thank you. This has been Full Service Radio at the Lion Hotel in Adams Morgan, D.C. And this is Lunch Agenda Podcast with Nani, Nick, and our guest, Annette. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's amazing. Sly. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Full Service Radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.